Today's message ties in really well with last week's generous expression of faith towards missions. But I want to teach on giving. You know what, guys? If we as a church plan on inheriting the land by acting upon the promises of God for you, your family, our church, our community, and our world, it will require all of us to understand the grace of giving. Amen? Guys, you know what? When you realize how much God has given to you, it is a natural response to want to give back to Him. Amen? And today I want to talk to you about the grace of giving. Now, I make no apologies as your pastor for asking you to give and showing you the truth in the Bible that like so many other spiritual disciplines like prayer, how many think prayer is important? All of us, okay? Bible study, how many think it's kind of important that you read the Bible? Okay, that's important stuff. Do you realize that the Bible has more to say about giving than it does about prayer? More to say about, how many think it's important to live holy? That's pretty important, right? Do you realize the Bible says, talks more about money and possessions than it does about living holy? And we all agree that living holy is important. So I make no apologies for talking about giving. You know why? Because giving is necessary for you to have a close, intimate relationship with the Lord. Ministry costs money. It always has. It always will. As this story illustrates. In a Dear Abby column a few years back, someone complained about the amount of money he was expected to give to the church. In response, a reader sent in the following comments by baseball manager Leo DeRocher, who wrote them at age 81. Leo writes, on June the 2nd, 1940, a little girl was born to us. She cost money from the amount she was born. Pastor Randy, can you relate? A few years ago, a little girl was born to you. She's cost you money, hasn't she? Worth every dime, Bliss. Okay? She's cost us money. She cost us money from the moment she was born. As she grew from babyhood, she cost even more. Her dresses and shoes were more expensive. We had to have the doctor. We, we had to have the doctor through all those childhood diseases. She was even more expensive during her school and her teenage years. She needed long dresses to go to parties. Then she went to college. We discovered, along with other parents, that all college expenses aren't listed in the catalog. Can I get a witness? Then after graduation, she fell in love and married. She was married in a big church wedding, and that, too, cost a lot of money. Then five months after her marriage, she suddenly sickened, and within a week, she was dead. She hadn't cost us a penny since the day we walked away from that grave story changed pretty quickly, didn't it? As long as the church is alive, she'll cost money. And the more alive a church is, the more money it'll cost. Only a dead church, like a dead child, is no longer expensive. Only a living church costs money. Living churches have space problems, parking, nursery, classrooms. Dead churches don't have any of that to worry about. Living churches always change in things. Dead churches don't. They just stay the same. In living churches, they struggle to, to learn and remember new names. Anybody having trouble with that? <laughs> in dead churches, everybody knows everybody because nobody new has shown up in years. Living churches have a problem developing new leaders. Dead churches don't. They just use the same ones over and over and over. Living churches spend much on missions. Dead churches keep it all at home. Living churches are filled with generous givers. Dead churches are filled with tippers. 
Let's ask God today to help us to receive the grace to be the generous givers that he desires every one of us to be. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for an opportunity today to teach your word. I pray right now, Lord God, that you would bless us, that you would touch us, Lord, that you would help us to realize, Lord God, that there is a grace that accompanies giving. There is a grace that that is there to help us in every area of our life, in every situation, even in giving. I pray right now for every person today, Lord God, that we would receive from you the grace that accompanies giving so that we can be the generous givers that this living church needs, so that we can make a difference, Lord, not just in missions, but locally in our community. Help us today, Lord God, to understand the grace of giving in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, guys, I'll be honest with you. I love teaching on giving. I love it. Do you realize that I understood the blessings of tithing and the blessings of giving before I even got saved? Some of you have heard this story before. My wife grew up in church. Me, not so much, okay? I would go to church every now and then worrying that the ceiling might fall in on me, okay? And I went to the kind of church that you had to go confess to a man all the things you'd done wrong. You know what? I just didn't have time to do all that because it was going to take a while, (laughs) okay? But I didn't go to church much. My wife went to church a whole, whole lot. She really loved the Lord. And we got to college, guys, and we got married, okay? This is kind of cool. And she said that we were going to start tithing. I was like, what's that, okay? And she said, well, we're going to give 10% of what we make to the Lord. I said, he don't need it. Okay, we went to a great big old church. I went to a church that probably ran 800 or so, and and uh, Chantel was making a, I don't know a whopping thousand dollars a month. And by, by the way, you're like, what are you doing? Well, I was playing football. Okay, and I wasn't good enough to get paid. Some of you would get that one. Okay, but I was on scholarships, so I was working with football. I wasn't getting paid. But my wife said we're going to start tithing. Okay, so you know you do the math. Thousand dollars a month is about a hundred dollars in tithe. And I was like, what's that church going to do with my hundred dollars? I don't think I could buy toilet paper to last a month at that big church, okay? And I was probably right. And I remember she said, we're going to start tithing. I said, no, we're not. We're going to start tithing. No, we're not. And we started tithing. You know, didn't win that argument. So, guys, you're not going to win too many arguments, okay? Well, not long after after this story happened, we uh, I had a truck, and it broke down. Boy, Tom, I was not too happy because she had said that God's going to bless us if we do right and uh, my truck broke down, and it was $356 to fix it. I wish you could fix a truck now for $356, okay? But I remember I was telling her, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? This is three, I, I, you know, she went to maybe her boss said, maybe could we get an advance? And we thought about putting it on credit cards. Long story short, I got a call from the Indian Bank. I went to uh, northeast Louisiana. We were called the Indians. I know it's not very politically correct, but they called it the Indian Bank. They gave me a call, and they said, hey, you have a refund check. Ooh, refund check. Let me go check this out. So, Charles, I go to bank and I wait in line like you do at college. By the way, I'm trying to send a message to my young man who was complaining about having to wait in line at Nichols State. If you go to college, you will wait in line, okay? So I'm waiting in line at the Indian Bank. I get up to the thing and I I tell them my name and they give me a check. And Charles, I look at that check and it was $356. Now, I don't know Jesus yet. If I'd walked out of that bank, got hit by a bus, I'd busted hell wide open because I didn't know Jesus yet. But I knew there was something to what that little girl had been telling me. 
Because she was telling me that if you give, God will bless you. She was telling me if you do right. See, you wonder where I get that idea of blessings follow obedience? It happened long, long ago. So when it comes to giving, guys, literally I started giving before I got saved. Before I knew Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I recognized that this was a good transaction. This was a good deal. I do my part and God does his part. And his part is so much better than my part. Amen? So I walked away from that, and and from that day forward, I've never questioned the Lord in this area of giving. Amen? About a month later, I finally gave my heart to the Lord, and the rest is history, some 25 years later. But why do I tell you this story? Because God is a giver. God is not a taker. God has given so much to every one of us. Amen? I've personally seen the blessings of God poured out upon me and my family as we have been faithful to give our tithe and our offerings. It is no surprise that my two boys have received nearly $100,000 in scholarships for college. Can you give God a hand? Amen? By the way, their ACT scores didn't hurt either. Okay? But you know what? I believe that is the blessings of God. Look, guys, God is able to bless us in any and every area of our lives. We simply have to trust Him. I hold a check in my hand. And uh, you're going to like this one, Kenny. It's from Betty Fermenthal. Sister Betty went to glory about a year ago. And as we were preparing for her funeral, they opened up her Bible and they found this check. It was Sister Betty's tithe check. Okay? Now, I never cashed that check, and I don't plan on cashing it. But I plan on using it for an illustration until Jesus comes back. Because this sweet lady is well in her 80s. Okay? And she loved God. Okay? She loved God with all of her heart. She was in church every Sunday until maybe the Sunday that she passed. But she always took care of God because she understood that God would take care of her. Amen? So I just tell you that I didn't know you'd be here, Kenny, but God did. I hold Grandma's check right here. And, and uh, in fact, I wrote a little note on the back, and it was sent to us by Sister Annalee. Okay? Because when the family saw it, they said, oh, we've got to get this in. Okay? And Miss Annalee turned it in. And, and I was just reminded that, you know what? She understood giving. She understood being faithful to God. Guys, I don't know when it clicked for her. Maybe under Sister Toot long, long ago. Maybe it was a few years into her walk with the Lord. But guys, would to God we could have the same kind of testimony Sister Betty has. So many children, so many grandchildren serving the Lord, doing well. Amen? Guys, I just want to tell you, this this lady understood the, the, the power of blessing. And I hope that you understand the power of blessing as well. Amen? Because our God is a giver. Amen? Our God is a giver. So I want to talk to you for the next few minutes out of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8 and chapter number 9 about the grace of giving. You see, the great apostle Paul taught much on giving, especially to the church of Corinth. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 8 and 9, he focuses on the grace of giving. In a message on the subject, uh, Kenneth Hemphill writes, Giving empowered by grace. Let's talk about that for just a second. Giving empowered by grace. You see, less than a year had passed since Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 
During that year, Paul had been forced to write a very difficult letter. The beginning of 2 Corinthians is very challenging. There was a lot of problems at Corinth. There was a lot of things that needed correction. So Paul got after them a little bit, okay? But then he begins to encourage them. And that's where we have chapters 8 and 9. Because he talks about, now that the church is healthy, now that things have, have gotten in order, Paul devotes two chapters to the grace of giving. Let's look at the text together. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. If you have your Bibles, turn there. I think Brother Donald is ready for me up there. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. We're going to look at verses 1 through 9. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, verses 1 through 9. The Bible tells us in the King James Version, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. See, what was going on is there was a great famine in the land. There was famine in Jerusalem, and many of the churches that Paul had helped start were receiving offerings to be a blessing. Uh, it, it was kind of like missions giving. It was benevolence. It's, we're trying to help out the Christians in Jerusalem. And Paul is telling us that the church in Macedonia, though they were very poor, though they had so many challenges themselves, they had really stepped up in giving. And now he's encouraging the Corinthians to do the same. Verse 3. For to their power I bear record, you and beyond, or yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord, that's important, and then unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, and ye through his poverty might be rich." You see, guys, the churches in Macedonia were further along in their participation in offerings. They had really stepped up, and Paul was challenging the Corinthians to do the same. Now, when you read the instructions in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8 that we just read, one word that jumps out from the page is grace. See, we all understand grace. We love grace, right? Well, God's grace is applicable in every area of our life, including giving. Amen? I would not want to imagine my life without the grace of God. Well, guess what? God wants to in, in interject His grace into the area of giving as well. Amen? So how does that work? How does that work? When you read the instructions in 2 Corinthians 8, the one word that jumps out is grace. It's repeated four times in the first nine verses. Look at verse 1 again. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given to the churches of Macedonia. The use of grace here does not mean that their giving was simply motivated by grace. It goes much further. It means their generosity was an act of grace. I believe last week our expression of faith toward missions was an act of of grace. Think about the lives that are going to be changed because of our missions giving. Think about the lives that are going to be changed because we've made sacrifices. Just this week we had a minister's meeting and I was able to tell uh, two different missionaries that we were picking them up for monthly support. 
One of them said, Pastor, you don't know how bad my day was, but you just made my day. You know why I tell you that? Because you allowed me to do that. Amen? You allowed me to go to Louis Padilla and to give him a hug and say, you're our newest missionary. Guys, I love that. Amen? That is grace. That is the gift of grace. Amen? You see, guys, in this context, Paul refers to um, their abundance of gifts to challenge them, challenging the Corinthians to, to, to abound in the gracious work of giving. But as you abound in everything, verse number 7, in faith and utterance and knowledge. See, the, the Corinthians were very much into spiritual gifts. They understood the power of God. But Paul wanted to tell them that, guess what? The power of God is not just limited to spiritual gifts. It's also available in giving. Because he says, in all these things you abound at, see that you also abound in the gracious work also. Do you see the point? Paul is challenging the Corinthians to move to a level of giving that is made possible by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit could enable them to give at a supernatural level, not just merely at a natural one. Why is that possible? Because the Spirit still speaks to all of us who will listen. You know, I mentioned on Monday night, I, I went to this little preacher meeting, and, and uh, I, I've been on a bunch of these things. When I worked in the district office, I used to go to a whole bunch of these, and, and they always take up an offering. Okay, now the offering is to kind of defer expenses, and I don't know about you, but John, I don't exactly get excited about those kind of offerings. So let me be honest with you, pure transparency, I broke a 10, so I only had to give a 5, okay? Now I know none of you would ever do that. Some of you did that yesterday, thinking about church today, okay? But I was going to give a 5, okay? Because again, i got to give in every offering, okay? But I wasn't too excited about giving to defer expenses. It's why I pay my tithe, Okay. Um, so we, we get there, and, and all of a sudden our superintendent, who, by the way, will be here next Sunday. Next Sunday our district superintendent, Scott Holmes, is going to be here. So please come out. Uh, put your smiles on your face. Let's, let's all act like everything's awesome here, because it is, okay? But it's always neat when our superintendent comes here. Isn't it good that he's coming and ain't nothing wrong? Isn't that good, okay? I've had my superintendent come, and it was to, to, because things were bad. I'm really glad that he's coming and things are good, okay? But back to my story. They, uh, they, they get up, and our superintendent says, we're going to change things up a little bit. I'm like, okay, this is interesting. He says, we're going to give an offering to a minister. I was like, huh, okay, I'll probably give a 20, okay? And then he begins to tell me who this minister is, and it was someone in our Raceland section. And it was someone I love with all my heart. It's someone that I've walked with through some different things. And, and all of a sudden, I was like, well, that five just won't do. That 20 won't do either. You know, I always have a 100 that I hide in my wallet, okay? I hide it in case the boys find my... By the way, I shouldn't say that in front of the boys, okay? <laughs> so much for that. i got to hide it somewhere else, okay? But I had a 100 in my wallet, okay? And, and I looked at my wife, and I said... There goes my Benjamin. <laughs> Why? Because the Spirit was speaking to me. Okay? And I love pastors. And I love the guy that we were talking about. Do you realize that we were able to get a $2,000 offering was given to that pastor? Is that amazing? So apparently God wasn't just talking to me. He was talking to other ministers. And why do I tell you that story? Because God will speak if you'll listen. And you know what? At first I was like, God, are you sure? <laughs> Because I had plans for that hundred. I, I, I had some things I wanted to do. I could go take hundred of Buffalo Wild Wings for the 29,000 time, okay? But God had better plans. 
And guys, if we'll listen to God, He'll bless us. Amen? If we'll do what God says, He'll bless us because there is a grace that accompanies giving. Amen? So how do we define grace giving? Let's simply take Paul's definition. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, verse number 3. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. See, we frequently talk about Christian living as that which requires supernatural empowering, but we often ignore the matter of giving when we refer to the work of the Spirit. So how do we begin to practice grace giving? Once again, Paul gives us the answer in verse number 5. They first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. You see, grace-empowered giving emerges from the giving of our entire being to the Lord. When that occurs, giving becomes a privilege and not a chore. So guys, is God after your money? Nope, He's after your heart. Because when God has your heart, He has everything. Amen? God wants your heart. God wants to speak to you. God wants to use you. You know, we say things all the time that we're blessed in order to be a blessing. And that sounds good, and that preaches even better, but it's true. Guys, God wants to use you, but you got to be willing to be used. Amen? you got to be open to be used by God. God's not after your money. He's got plenty of his own, but he wants your heart. He wants all of your heart. Because how many know you can give without loving? Anybody ever got a speeding ticket? Anybody ever paid their taxes? We can give without loving, okay? I, I just recently wrote a very large check to the, 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 the federal government. Listen, I didn't love doing that. I cringed when I did it, but I like jail even less, so I did it, okay? So you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. How many in here have grandkids? You love those grandkids, don't you? You've given them a few things, haven't you? Why? Because you love them. You want to. Giving is a natural response to loving. John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his son, Jesus. We need to get to the place that we understand the grace of giving. Now, there are four laws that under, undergird grace giving. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. Let's look at that together. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. These are four laws that, under, that undergird grace giving. Paul writes, For as touching the ministering to the saints, as it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that, as I said, you may be ready. Lest happily, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we, that, that we say not ye, should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before you and make up beforehand your bounty, wherefore you had noticed before. And the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not of covetousness. Verse number 6. But as I say, he that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. He that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according to as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able, say God is able, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always have an all-sufficiency and all things may abound to every good work. 
For as it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So, four spiritual laws, four laws undergirding grace giving. The first one is the law of sowing and reaping. The law of sowing and reaping. Miss Chantel, will you throw me my, my illustration there? Not a bad throw, okay? I have an orange right here, okay? Thankfully, I was able to pick it before the rain showed up, okay? But this came off the tree in my backyard, okay? And this will be my illustration for sowing and reaping because it is a biblical principle. It is a law of this world, and it works every time. Amen? The law of sowing and reaping. Theologian Owen, Owen, Owen Carr gave, four, gave five laws when it comes to sowing and reaping. Number one, what you sow is what you reap. What you sow is what you reap. If I were to open this orange up, I'd find a few seeds in it, right? Normally that's what we spit out when we're eating, okay? And um, if I were to plant one of those orange seeds, what do you think I'd get? Oranges. Wouldn't it be kind of shocking if I'd have an apple tree growing up, come up? Or maybe pears? Now, I like pears. I like peaches. But out of this thing should come oranges, right? What you sow is what you reap. Now, you know what? That works in every area of our life, okay? When you sow grace to others, guess what you get back? Grace. When you sow mercy to others, how many like to receive mercy? You know how you receive mercy? You give mercy. How about forgiveness? How many like to be forgiven? How many How many in here mess up? Anybody? Everybody, right? When you mess up, don't you like to be forgiven? Don't you like when Pastor Randy, somebody comes to you and say, please forgive? You like that, right? You like to receive forgiveness. The way to get forgiveness is to give it. You see, sowing and reaping works all the time. It doesn't just work in finances. It works in every area. What you sow is what you reap. Okay? Now, guess what? That works in the positive sense. It also works in the negative sense. You see, some of you have sown seed, and you're praying for God to cancel that harvest. Amen? Now, is God able? Yes, God is able. But wouldn't it be so much better to sow the good seed on the front end? Amen? So what you sow is what you reap. It works in every area of our lives, not just finances. So what you sow is what you reap. Number two. You always reap more than you sow. You always reap more than you sow. Guys, how many oranges are in this orange? Think about it. Think about it for a second. There are seeds in this orange, right? And each seed has the potential to produce what? An orange tree. And how many oranges can one orange tree produce? Hundreds, thousands. So the potential in this one little orange is astronomical, right? It's a principle. You always reap more than you sow. Amen? Now, in the positive sense, that's an exciting thing. Amen? When I sow my missions giving, I'm going to reap more. When I give my tithe, I'm going to reap more. When I give love, when I give grace, when I give mercy, I'm going to get more, more, more. But it also is true in a negative sense. When we're bitter toward others, what's coming back your way is tough. When you're mean toward others, when you don't treat people properly, when we are, when we give into the flesh instead of heeding the advice of the Holy Spirit, guys, it's so 
important for us to remember. You always reap more than you sow. Amen? A third principle about sowing and reaping. So number one, you always sow, you always sow what you reap. You also always reap more than you sow. Thirdly, you must sow before you reap. Look, guys, if I want to plant this seed and I want oranges, it's going to take a little time. I'm going to have to trust the process. Now, look, guys, we Pentecostals, we don't like the processes of God. But the process of God is necessary for our development. Amen? You always have to plant the seed before you reap the harvest. Some of you, 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 you started giving. Some of you began to give, began to tithe. And, and, and kind of like me, your truck broke down. Kind of like me, something didn't work out right. But you always have to sow first before you reap. Now, I was able to reap pretty quickly because God knew I didn't have much faith. God knew I was giving that little girl a hard time. He knew how hard-headed I can be. He also knows how hard-headed you can be. But guess what, guys? You always have to sow before you reap. A fourth law about sowing and reaping. You must sow into good soil. You know what? This little orange tree is in the back of our property, and and, and, and it's a good little piece of area, and, and, and it produces nice-looking oranges, okay? But you have to sow into good soil. Look, guys, this is good soil. Missions is good soil. These are good places for you to plant your seeds. This is good places for you to exercise your faith. can't say that about every place, but I can say that about this place. But you have to have good soil. You have to have a place where, where that seed will, will, will grow and become everything God wants it to be. But you have to sow into good soil. And finally, the sower decides the size of the harvest. You see, guys, in this orange, I don't know, there's, there's a dozen seeds. I can plant one, or I can plant all 12. It's up to me. Amen? God promises that the principle of sowing and reaping will apply to each and every seed that I plant. So I challenge you today, guys, plant more seeds. Take more steps of faith. Be obedient in every area of your life and watch the principle of sowing and reaping work in your life. Sister Betty Fermenthal understood that principle. Amen? And she sowed seed, and she sowed seed at this church. She sowed seed in this community, and she has reaped bountiful blessings. You can do the same if you'll be obedient. Amen? So, principle of sowing and reaping. All other things being equal, the quantity of the harvest will be proportionate to the quantity of the seed sown. You determine the size of the harvest. I want to challenge you. Let's take some bold steps of faith. Amen? Another law of grace giving. The law of cheerful giving. Look at verse number 7. Verse number 7. Every man according as he purposed in his heart, let him give not grudgingly or necessity, for God loves what? A cheerful giver. Amen? You know, I used my illustration Monday. If that offering had been to defer expenses, I don't know if I got much of a blessing. I wasn't too cheerful about giving in it. But then all of a sudden, when I saw we have a chance to bless a friend of mine, I got excited. Amen? But there is a joy that should come with giving. You see, God, who by nature is giving, loves to see His children display His character. You know what, guys? When you give to others, that's as close sometimes as we can get to God, because God is a giver. It is one of his characteristics. It's something that he loves to do. He loves to give to his children. 
And guys, when God gets a hold of your heart, you realize that giving is a privilege and not a chore. Amen? As I've grown in the Lord, as I've gotten closer to the Lord, I've learned that giving is, is a blessing. Amen? It's an opportunity to express my faith in the one who gave so much to me. But God loves cheerful givers. That's why I joke sometimes at offering time. Smile. God loves a cheerful giver. A third law of grace giving. The law of sufficiency. Look at verse number 8. And God is able. I could stop right there. God is able. God is able to what? Do anything. God is able to meet your need. God is able to pay your bills. God is able to work those things out for you that you can't work out for yourself. God is able. Well, pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what the doctor said. All I know is God is able. Amen? He's able. He's able to make a blessing. He's able to make something out of... Did you realize God is the only person who can make something out of nothing? He's able to create brand new. That's God. The law of sufficiency. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. God takes care of His people. Amen? He always has. He always will. The Bible says, I was, young, I was once young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. As I get older, Pastor Randy, that means more and more to me. Amen? God is faithful. Brother Bernie Dinger would say, God is faithful. God is faithful. He's able to do whatever you need him to do. It's a principle. Just as surely as the principle of sowing and reaping works, the principle of God being able, if you do your part, he promises to do his. Amen? And then finally, the law of multiplication. The law of multiplication. The Bible says in verse number 10, Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. See, God's into multiplication, not just addition. Amen? God wants to bless in a multiple way. What we did for missions last week, what we do for missions this week, what we continue to to do, God multiplies. Amen? That's how God works. And God will multiply things in your life as well. Here's the key to all grace-empowered giving. God supplies the seed, multiplies the seed, and promises a bountiful blessing. You can't outgive God. Amen? It's called the big shovel principle. His shovel is just bigger than yours. Amen? God wants you to let go of what's in your hand, and he'll let go of what's in his hand. You know what? If kids' church was in here, I'd get London to come up here. If I did that, that'd be the end of service, because she would have your attention, okay? And I would say, London, let me see your little hand, baby. And she'd show a little hand about half the size of mine, okay? And that would be our hand. And this big old mitt is God's hand. Alicia, you let go of what's in your hand. Our Heavenly Father lets go of what's in His hand. And what He has for us is so much greater than we could ever imagine. Amen? These are biblical principles. These are principles that work in every area of our life, including giving. So what are the results of grace-empowered giving? I'm almost done. Let's read verses 11 through 15. 11 through 15. 
if you apply the principles, if you do what God asks you to do, here's the results. Here's the results of grace-empowered giving. Verse 11. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and to all men. And by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. You see, guys, you will simply be amazed when you hear about the results of grace giving. Number one, it enriches you. The Bible says you'll be enriched in everything. How many want to be blessed in their life? How many want to be enriched in every area of their life? Apply the principles of God. Amen? Apply the principles of God. And God says in every area you will be blessed. Isn't it just like God to allow our giving to become a reciprocal blessing to us? Friends, you can't outgive God. Secondly, it helps us meet the needs of others. Verse number 12, For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Paul uses two different words to indicate that giving is both the act of worship and one of service. Isn't it good to know you're helping others? It really is. Guys, I don't know about you, but I love helping others. I love being able to bless others. Because guess what? I've been in position before where I needed a blessing. And now I'm in a position where I can be a blessing. And I thank the Lord for that. Amen? And I love being able to help others. It's, it's kind of, again, guys, it, it, when we give, it helps us get an idea of how God must feel. Because God's an amazing giver. When you think about everything He's given to us, it's just, it's just natural for us to want to give to others. It helps us meet the needs of others. Another blessing. It offers thanks to God. Perhaps you notice that in both verses we have already considered the end result is a lifestyle that says thanks to God. Gratitude comes from an understanding of the graciousness of all of life, and thus grace-empowered giving flows of the response which says thanks to God. Look, guys, we have an opportunity to be a blessing. We are blessed in order to be a blessing. Amen? And when we give, we bring glory to God. Amen? What we did for missions brings glory to God. I was able to report to so many people how this church is back heading in the right direction. We are healthy and strong once again. This giving, your steps of faith in the area of missions and in every area, is a great testimony to the goodness and the graciousness of God. Amen? And everything we do, guys, brings glory to God. Because of the proof given by this ministry, verse number 13, they will gladly, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and all. Paul indicates that this offering, the offering that he was talking about with the Corinthians, our offering of, of putting God first in every area of our life, brings glory to God. Look, guys, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing anyhow? Every one of our goals should be one day to hear, well done. That's why I'm living my life. That's why I'm serving God, Mike, because I want to hear, well done. Anything other than that, and I've messed up. Anything other than that is not good enough. I want to hear, well done. 
And guys, I need to be well in every area of my life. Amen? Why is it sometimes finances seem to be the one area where we struggle when God wants us to be a blessing in that area? Guys, everything we do should bring glory and honor to God. So as I wrap things up, does your giving reflect the surpassing grace of God in you? We need to move from proportionate giving to grace giving so that we can truly be a cheerful giver. Then your life will have a clear benediction. And Paul said it in verse number 15, Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Now in this context, he's talking about the gift of giving. But in a larger context, we recognize the most indescribable gift that God ever gave was His Son, Jesus. Amen? And when we think about Jesus, when we think about what Jesus cost God, the least we can do is give a little something of ourselves back to God. Amen?